What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Brandon's Face, the podcast about a playlist. My name is Jonathan Peardsley, and today I'm joined by, of course, the one and only Brandon May. Brandon, how you doing? I'm basically amazing, John. As always. And we are joined by our first guest, um, friend, family, and resident Coheed and Cambria expert, Logan May. Logan, how you doing? Pretty good. Good, man. All right. So if you guys are tuning in on YouTube, please like, follow, subscribe. If you're following us on any major podcasting platform, leave a review. Any of that stuff helps us. With that out of the way, let's get into it, man. we got a fuckload of music to talk about. First oh, yeah, up, we, we have one from Muramasa featuring Shy Girl and Channel Trust called Hollaback Bitch. Are either of you Hollaback Bitches? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever described myself that way, no. My I'll notes say, your Tinder profile. My notes say, John, you're my Hollaback Bitch. <laughs> um, are you familiar with Muramasa at all? Either yes. of you? Yes, no. I, I've heard the name and I've listened to like a handful of tracks, but like nothing that grabbed me, obviously. Yeah, I only know one song that he did with ASAP Rocky like six years ago, so I'm not too familiar either. Um, he's kind of weird. I don't I don't think any of his songs sound the same. I thought this one was kind of fun. I liked the horns. You guys have any notes on it? My notes are the same. I love the sax, but I won't be returning to this song. <laughs> I, I literally only wrote I like the saxophone. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> We all liked the saxophone. Good for you, Muramasa. All right. Um, next up, we have Matt Lange Drift. You're the Matt Lange expert, Brandon. I'll let you tell us how you're feeling about this. Well, so I love I love this song. Like I like most of Matt Lange's music, but mm -hmm. is he releasing all of the tracks from the album in a single? This has got to be like the seventh single already. Just drop the album, bro. It's a bold rollout strategy. We'll see how it pays off for him, man. I don't know. Um, it's kind of weird. Do you listen to techno at all, Logan? Um, I, I listen to some. Um, I I, I kind of dropped off of it, so I'm not really familiar with a lot of newer stuff. I've never heard of Matt Lynch before, um, but the stuff kind of reminds me of like old ATB, like What About Us era totally. of ATB. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so I, I liked it. It felt really airy. I was into it. Yeah, he's he's always high quality, and I don't think he's a big name now because that sound, like ATB's sound, just isn't the big sound anymore. But he's he's always good shit, man. I like his songs. Hopefully, we get a full album soon. That's funny you mentioned ATB because I was just uh, putting a list together of all of the uh, artists I've seen ever, um, and uh, I was looking at old festival lineups that I've been to and old rave lineups, and I, I realized that in 2011, I went to a rave and ATB was on the lineup, and I did not see ATB, and I'm really sad about that. Oh, what a shame. I know, right? <laughs> I miss the days of, like... I mean, it's still kind of like that, but the beauty of raves is you don't need to see your favorite producer or DJ to hear their best song. Like most of them all play the same shit. So I've heard 4am live a few times, but oh, I've never heard it by ATB. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on to this one from Gorgon City called Foggy Geezer. This is... This is the kind of song that you hear when you walk into that weird side room at a rave. That's that's immediately what I thought about it. Did you guys like this one? I liked it. I, I It didn't really seem that unique to me or anything that stood out, but I did like the occasional Inception trailer sound they threw in there. It's the occasional blah. Yeah, they're working with the Hans Zimmer sample pack for sure on that. <laughs> 
All right. Do you have any uh, notes on this one, Brandon? Uh, yeah, actually. Gorgon City puts out, I, I kind of like that they do this. On their album cuts, they're a lot more pop. On their singles that they just released, like their one-off stuff, it's a lot more house. And you're right. It's definitely uh, it's definitely side room at the rave material. <laughs> yeah, the one with the way too much smoke machine going. <laughs> right. All right. Next up, we have this uh, Sam Bagani, Adam Bayer, and Leighton Giordani rave remix. I think that the last 15 seconds of this song were kind of worth listening to the beginning of it, but that's about all I really enjoyed. Did you feel any differently? Yeah, um, I actually added this because I really love the original and I didn't listen to the remix before I threw it on. Um, It seems kind of like Drum Code is going through all of their label recordings and just remixing all of them with adam bayer on it which is you know fine or whatever but sure. that um that uh dun, 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 kind of yeah that that like introduces where that drop comes in that's uh i don't know and in my opinion that's iconic like quote unquote business techno and i and i really like that that i really like that intro to a drop in techno and i don't know have you ever heard of business techno before now Logan? No, that's that's a new term for me. It's a new one for uh, me, too. I, I, I'm going to kind of continue my pattern here of when it comes to electronic music, the only way I can talk about it is by relating it to things I've heard before. Sure. I'm going to say this kind of gave me old like VNV Nation, like Electronaut vibes. Oh, deep cut. Deep cut, yeah. for sure. Deep cuts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, most... No, we'll go for it. Well, I was just going to say, business techno is... Um... It's what all of the uh, techno elitists are calling like most of drum code records releases because they just they don't have really any any inspiration or anything to it. It's just it's really for like the Instagram kids. You go to Ibiza or whatever. I tend to enjoy it. Interesting. I, 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 I it's a lot of this style of techno is not liked in uh, in the techno elitist world, which is so fucking dumb. I could imagine. Uh, in my head, I was picturing just a bunch of like Agent Smiths inside that like Matrix world with the lady <laughs> with the red dress just raving to the ship. So. Yes. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We got a rehab remix of Yo Yo by Mika. Uh, did you hear the original to this one yet, Logan? No. Okay. Have you ever heard Mika before? No. Okay. So he was big, like. I want to say like 15 years ago when I worked at Jamba Juice after high school and I had to listen to this fucking CD every day that had his song (laughs) Love Today and Grace Kelly on it. And his song Grace (laughs) Kelly was huge because it drew a lot of like comparisons to Freddie Mercury with his vocal range. Over the last decade or so, he's become more of like a pop name in America. And now we're getting fucking big room house remixes of his music, which is super weird. Brandon, did you enjoy this this style for a remix? <laughs> uh man, rehab has always been a guilty pleasure of mine. We actually got to Coachella 2012, 2013, early one year because LA Riots was playing at 2.30 and rehab was coming on right afterwards. So I made sure the, the whole group got there beforehand just to just so we could catch that show. Yeah, I mean I I, I liked this. This is a guilty pleasure of mine. Love it. Big Room's fun to hate on, but it's also really fun to listen to live. So it's it's an era, bro. Big Room House just dominated in like 2012, 2013, 2014. It was just huge. <laughs> it was. Uh, any thoughts on this one, Logan? 
Um, I mean, the music was fine. I, I couldn't get over the fact of, like, the chorus was a little annoying vocal-wise to me. Just the repeating the last word of the line three times on every line. <laughs> I, I honestly couldn't listen to this one more than once. I, I feel you, man. I, I completely understand. It's kind of an acquired taste, and I, I don't think this remix really made it any better, to be honest with yeah, you. I have no negative opinions on, like, the backing music or anything. Just that chorus, I, I couldn't get over it. You I'm know, gonna send this directly to the people that made the backing music. Or <laughs> <laughs> to DM rehab on, on Instagram. Logan, I, it actually just occurred to me that as a musician, you probably hear music so much differently than people like me who uh, do not play music, listen or hear music. You know, I don't think about that to myself, but I've noticed, like, I'll talk to someone and be like, oh, did you hear that killer bass run? Did you hear that, like, that, that drum hit in the background? And people are just like, why did you pick that out out of when someone was singing over it? And it's like, well, that's what I'm listening to. Oh, 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 oh <laughs> yeah. we're going to be talking about some bass lines today, Logan. Yeah. So, oh, yes. <laughs> strap in. You weren't like, why can Mika sing six octaves higher than most people? <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, we're also talking about Mars Volta and Coheed and Cambria this yes. week. So I don't think <laughs> high-pitched vocals are out of the norm for this playlist. Good point. Good point. <laughs> All right. Since we're staying in the realm of Mika, we got this Baby K Bolero featuring Mika. I've never had so much fun singing along to a song that I know absolutely no words to, but I don't imagine everyone loved this. I don't understand this... it, but I really liked it, man. Go is ahead. this like Aqua's Barbie Girl, but in Portuguese? You know what? I'm only going to think of it that way now that you <laughs> I thought it. of it immediately that way, and I couldn't get the image out of my head anytime I put it on. I'm just like, this is Barbie Girl. Uh, God, man. Like, <laughs> even that second verse, even no, the second totally verse, like, it totally is 100%. Yeah, yeah, it has that quality, if nothing else. Um, you guys so want to talk about the Barbie movie for a little bit? You guys <laughs> it it doesn't even have that? Barbie Girl in it, bro. It's not even worth it. Bro, no, you I, know. Go, those go set it, photos, those set photos, it looks fantastic. I'm actually looking forward to it. I think yeah. it's going to be wild. I think it's going to be as well. I also think we all know what song they're going to use for the trailer. <laughs> what is it? I don't know. <laughs> okay, moving on. We got... Wiz the, shut up <laughs> Wiz the MC and Benny uh the song is called Fuck Love. I think this would have been a lot better if it was just Benny. Did you guys enjoy either of these parts? I really um, like Benny's part. I don't know who's responsible for which parts, but the girl is Benny. Gotcha. So it, it overall I liked it, but I mean, I just really liked the guitar tone a lot and how it kind of like the vocals just hit real hard right at the beginning with this like easy listening guitar tones, but like the vocals were like kind of in your face. I, I liked the contrast there and yeah, like I was really into that. Yeah, um, it's it's kind of a weird song. She tends to do very weird features. I just saw her last Saturday night, actually, and she's really fucking good live. Um, I have no idea who Wiz the MC is, but I'm sure he's a lovely person. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Brandon, did you have any thoughts on this other than you liked Benny's part? Uh, no. Okay. Moving on then, we have a new one from Marion Hill called Back in Time. I think this is just another bonus track that they've released. Um, the only interesting note I have about this one is that the singer, Samantha, plays the guitar on it. And I guess it's the first song she's done that on. So oh, that's interesting awesome. for hmm. that. 
Is my, this your first time hearing them, Logan? Yeah, I've never heard of most of the things oh, man. on this playlist. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, put on the unusual vinyl next time you're hanging. <laughs> I will. Um, I act that that's great that she was the one that was playing guitar because my notes say this guitar loop is wonderful. Yeah, very nineties R and B. That's great. Do you have any thoughts on this one, Logan? I, I, I enjoyed it. I don't. I didn't really have any thoughts on it other than just hey thumbs up put it on and yeah. i didn't hate it yeah sometimes my <laughs> note is either just thumbs up or thumbs down for a lot of songs <laughs> brandon will throw on some like indie band from a third world country with 160 listeners and be like <laughs> check this out man and i'm like all right you're welcome. gonna go in depth on this one all right um okay next up we're gonna go into the r&b realm of things very briefly we got a new single from Brent Fias called Price of Fame. And I'm sorry I made you guys listen to this fuckboy music. <laughs> I know this sounds like three different songs, at once, uh, but I love it. I love the messy R&B style. He is very problematic lyrically generally, um, but his new album Wasteland drops July cover that. Did any of you surprisingly like this? My notes were this is a heavy R&B song? Like it was, <laughs> yeah, it's to it. the vocal filters are really weird. It's not something I'd like to see or hear repeated, but because the vocal filters on this are weird for Brent, right? Or am I not thinking of the right? No, thing? no, he doesn't need to use them very often. I don't know why he is like good R&B singers get very bored with their voice, even though they're good to the rest of the world. R&B at all, Logan? Uh, not really never really been a fan um but i mean i i thought it was funny that like as soon as i wrote down in my notes that it sounded like he had like recorded this at a faster speed and slowed it down the song completely changed and it was like normal speed out of nowhere <laughs> like it, it, it was like it like knew that i was taking notes and corrected itself yeah he, he pitch shifts and speeds up and slows down a lot he tries to be a little avant-garde with it it doesn't always work i thought this one was okay i'm hoping the album's better like, than this song I literally wrote down lol never mind <laughs> <laughs> yeah um we we've covered a lot of song beat switches I don't think I've covered a song with two beat switches in it in a while so this one threw me for a loop nice. all right yeah. let's move on we got a new one from dot the genius called talk about me featuring kid cuddy Denzel Curry and Jit I think dot the genius is just the producer on this so I'm not sure um Brandon, are you a Kid Cudi fan? I know we've talked about this. Are you a recent Kid Cudi fan? I am only a fan of Kid Cudi when he's on that Man of the Moon shit. Is this Man of the Moon shit Kid Cudi to you? It is not. Okay. What did you feel about the song as a whole? Um, I think Denzel kills it, as is tradition. I think Jid is mm -hmm. great, and Cudi is kind of meh. Um, I... It's better. It is better than most of his non Man on the Moon stuff from Cuddy, though. So I'll, I'll give that to him. Denzel and Jid just fucking kill it. The track is way too short, and I wish they'd let a little bit of room for Jid and Denzel Curry to just kind of do their thing. It feels like they were just gearing up, you know. But maybe that's biased because of how much I listen to their other music. Yeah, Jid's verse wasn't very long. Thankfully, he rapped very fast, so he got as many words in as possible for us. <laughs> how did you feel about this one, Logan? Man, this is this is very much not my style. I I did not like this at all. <laughs> now, is it that you don't like hip hop or that you didn't like this style of hip hop? 
I think it's the style. I, I mean, I'm going to say I'm really picky when it comes to hip hop, but I'm sure. not going to turn away a whole genre. Like there are there yeah. are songs I've liked in the genre, but this there's always just a line was not it. This Fair. just did not. Yeah, I didn't like the instrumental to this one at all for a quote unquote banger with these artists. I thought it was kind of underwhelming, but the longer you talk to us, we will find where these lines are for you. <laughs> there you go. I once went into a bar and they said on their jukebox that there was no hip hop. And I found John Cena's entrance music and Linkin Park. So they were kind of lying. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Now, I'm, I'm also going to say of the four, the four artist names listed on this track, I know one of them. Is so that Kid not, Cudi? Yes. So okay. that, that's, and I haven't li- heard any Kid Cudi since I was in college, I think. So it's been a long time. Um, I don't imagine you would like Jit if you didn't like his part on this song, but Denzel Curry is a really interesting artist. Uh, Brandon has some of his stuff on vinyl, but he doesn't just do hip hop. He did like a cover of Rage Against the Machine. Oh, and wow. His scream is fucking insane for a rapper. You could tell he grew up around a lot of white folks. I'll say that. (laughs) Um, In fact, today, um, John, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to it or watch it because I texted it immediately to you. But Denzel Curry put out a uh, a NPR tiny desk uh, today and he has a backing soul band. um, And it is it is a classic tiny desk to me. I'm going to go ahead and throw that in the show notes. Please do. All right, you guys are ready to move on? Yep. Oh, I okay. am. Okay. All right, next up, we got a new one from the Mars Volta called Black Light Shine. What's your history with the Mars Volta? Have you been listening to them since way back in the day, Logan? Yeah, I'm a huge Mars Volta fan. I I like really weird music, and they definitely fit the bill there. Um, and I really love this song. Um I do as well. It sounds fucking great. He doesn't sound like he's aged at all. I know he's in other no, bands yeah. and is still active, but to be away from this project for like a decade and still sound this good is impressive. Yeah, but I mean, I was I was a big fan of At The Drive-In too, so I've kind of been with him for a while. Um, and this is very different than a lot of Mars Volta's music. It's a lot more dancey and upbeat. Um, I kind of see it if like you start to kind of rank the, al- the albums as seasons. This one's going to be summer interesting Um, i like that and like it's it's very different but the footprint of mars volta is definitely there and like a lot of their older stuff is darker like kind of like doom and gloom almost and this is very uplifting um yeah i really dig it yeah i i do as well i think i think you nailed it it's different but you can still tell it's the same band which i appreciate what are your thoughts on this brandon um i actually loved a lot of the latin influences in this i think um omar is his name right guys yes omar um i think he I, i i think i think he has a lot of latin influences in a lot of his other music um but not so much in this project and i think it really shines through in this one and i'm very excited to see how they put this into an album because and i'm not a giant fan of them but i do know that uh context matters with them and how they fit mm-hmm. things into their album and how they structure them is really important and as a fan of well-structured albums i'm very excited to hear how this fits in with the rest of what they're going to release i am as well uh funny you bring up the latin aspect of their music because one of i think the only time i've seen them live what i can only describe as a salsa pit broke out I've never seen anything like it. It sounds right. I'm actually, I'm really excited. 
I'm really <laughs> excited. I actually just picked up tickets for their like first tour in ten years. So oh, I'm very yeah. excited to see that. Can, can awesome. we can we talk about how they put out an eleven minute music video for a two minute and fifty six second song? I did not see the music video yet, so tell me, is it just like a bunch of narrative or what? No, so the song plays for the first three minutes or so. There's a little bit of an intro, then the song plays. And then they just go into this, like, drum circle for, like, seven minutes. And have they have huh. people dancing, and it's it's a really, like, cool video. But the last seven minutes of the music video is just a continuation of that, like, drum circle rhythmic beat going in the back of the song with, like, chanting and dancing but it's like they the the song ends and they're just like nah 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 keep rolling keep going let's just <laughs> interesting let's see where this goes love that and it's it's real neat yeah, I haven't seen that in the, the show video. notes Brandon yeah I'm gonna throw that in the show notes I'm gonna watch it right after we're done yeah same that sounds very interesting it's just the the fact that the video is so much longer than the song just is so Mars Volta it's just yeah. so weird <laughs> well did they announce a new album with this no song? no okay. they didn't. They I did that weird cube thing in LA, which I didn't get the chance to go to. Um, but they they teased like coordinates on their Twitter and put a giant windowless box in uh, Grand Park in LA. And if you went out there and you waited in line for like four hours, you got to go into this box and they did like an LED light show and they played Black Light Shine for you. Oh shit. That's a hell of a marketing rollout. God damn. Yeah, that's crazy, right? <laughs> like, apparently phones weren't allowed in, so I haven't seen the inside of it. Logan, have you seen it? Did somebody smuggle a phone in there? Somebody, somebody did smuggle a phone in there. It, it was really cool. It's like it's like mirrors and all these like grids. So they're like the light show wasn't pictures or imagery or anything. It was it, it was just like reflected LED grids. It Sick. was really interesting. That's fucking awesome, man. I love high concept shit like that. I know I know it costs a lot of money to produce on your own like that, but when artists do it, it really makes a difference. Childish Gambino did like a weekend in Joshua Tree, and it was the same thing. He created like an iridescent tent pretty much, and there was no phones the whole weekend, and just performed just a bunch of weird shit that he'd never performed at that point. I think more I, artists should go outside the box like that. I love how many artists have done Joshua Tree performances. Senses Fail did the entirety of Let It Enfold You as a concert in the park, as well as Rufus to Soul has done uh, like an hour and a half set from Joshua Zoo. Tree inside the park. Zoo's done it. Like, I, I kind of love it. Hmm. I know uh, Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age runs a... Uh, a quirky little band called the desert sessions where I guess he owns like a recording studio up there or something. Cause he brings Les Claypool out every year. And apparently they just do like a ton of drugs and record some pretty weird music. I mean, it's, I could imagine it's Les Claypool and Josh <laughs> Homme. So it's pro it's, it's good, but it's not like, it's not like you wouldn't throw that on. You wouldn't show that to, to other people, you know, like it's, it's kind of <laughs> like, like, it. like some shit you listen to on your own. Cause it's real weird. <laughs> U2 hasn't performed in Joshua Tree which is kind of weird yeah let's keep it that way Bono I know you listen to the podcast but like I'm not a fan of you don't come to Joshua Tree like we're oh, good man, bro oh man Bono listens to this yeah. <laughs> we're, we've I hope I don't embarrass VPNs. myself in front of Bono <laughs> we've been tracking some VPNs we're trying to figure it out but we think it's Bono it's gotta be it's gotta be <laughs> All right, let's move on. We got this one you threw on here, Brandon, from the Interrupters called Jailbird. I know you're a big fan of this. Or did you enjoy this one? Yeah, man. This is classic Interrupters, man. It's always just kind of like they always make like meta music like about the band, which is super cool. Um, but Logan, you got to see them, didn't you? 
Yeah, they opened on the Hello Megator when we went out there to San Diego to see that. How were they live? They were fantastic. I, I mean, the the it was weird because it was like really echoey. We saw them in um, Petco Park, so it was like a sports stadium, and the acoustics were real crap. And I I I also get this feeling that venues like purposely mix openers badly to make the headliners sound better later on. I think they I turned just, the volume down on them too. Like, yeah, it's, it's but. But their show was fantastic. Um, I just wish they sounded a little better, but it wasn't their fault, and I could tell it wasn't their fault. Um, but they were a lot of fun, and I really liked this song. Uh, this was really cool. And I really liked that uh, walking bass line on the chorus. That was real neat. Yeah, their music's fucking awesome, and her voice just has, like, a palpable angst in it that you can just fucking hear. It's very natural to her, you can tell. Um, That's fucking sick. I'm glad they're good live. I'll definitely catch them if they're in my area. Who else was on that tour? Um, It was Fallout Boy, Green Day, and Weezer. Oh, it was that one, the big-ass tour, gotcha. The Hella Mega Tour. (laughs) (laughs) Guess it was appropriately named. Yeah. (laughs) All right, let's move on. We got a new one from Willow. Maybe it's my fault. <laughs> Did you guys unironically like this song or just full on like this song? I like I liked it. I really yeah, liked yeah. this song. Yeah, yeah, no, this, yeah. is, this might be her best. Like it's it's funny, but because I know she's kind of like a pop star cosplay and is a rock star, but this is really good, dude. The guitars yeah. were like chugging, the drum fills were sick. I liked it. I mean it's it's fun to laugh at her for a whip my hair back and forth. Uh but like I listened to the that single she released a while ago, the Transparent Soul. Mm-hmm. And I I I really liked the new direction, and so I was kind of excited to see she was on the list because I hadn't really listened to anything since then. And this one was like a little, a little darker than Transparent Soul. It was a yeah, little heavier yeah. than it wasn't. It wasn't pop punk like the other one was. And I dig it. I, I, I mean, is she going to go into straight up metal next, or? I hope. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, be mad at that so. at all. Um, if she... it's just like a descent into heavy music, that <laughs> every single is going to be a little heavier than the last one. She's doing the opposite of Bring Me the Horizon. Um, pretty, 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 soon she'll, pretty soon she'll arrive at Deathcore and we'll be like, yeah, man, great highs, super sick lows. Um, I will say we actually reviewed her album um, when it when it dropped. Was that last year, John? It, yeah, that was last year. It's probably not on Spotify then, but... Um, but yeah, uh, I, I actually enjoyed like a lot of that. And she performed Transparent Soul in one other song on SNL um, a while back. And, you know, honestly, she was she's 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 pretty good, man. I think Dude, yeah. I think having access to all of like the mega music producers, all of her music is going to sound good. I won't connect with all of it. And it's, again, pretty easy to make fun of her because, you know, she's Will Smith's daughter. But, um, you know. Yeah, I, I think that she's kind of earned the respect at this point. Um, Whip My Hair Back and Forth was a jam, by the way. I fucking love that song. <laughs> uh, I've I've listened to actually all of her albums since then, and she's gone through a lot of different phases, but she seems to have found her thing. I'd say every... It's not a like, phase, John. Every, but Emo like is every, life, bro. No, I'm saying this is what she's going to do, at least for the foreseeable future. I don't think it was a one-album thing, because on top of the album with Transparent Soul, every feature and chorus and everything she's done since then has pretty much been the same style. And I think it suits her. I think it works. This song is probably her best yet, so hopefully wherever we go from here is up. I'm a fan, though. Neat. 
All right, let's move on to this one from Rain City Drive, Dying For. I think every song they've released so far has been good. Um, what did you think of it, Brandon? Um, you've made me like a very large fan of Rain City Drive. <laughs> I've like basically all of their music. I love the double bass on this one, and I love the the vocalist's range. Like he he really gets up there, man. Like he does. It's like very uh, hands like houses or something like that. Do you like this this kind of emo style, Logan? I do. Um, I have actually never heard of Rain City Drive before. They're was... they're pretty new. They're I think they're still rolling out their first batch of singles. A buddy of oh, mine okay. who who did the music for this show helped produce one of the songs that they've already released. So that's how they got on our radar. We've just been checking them out since. Yeah, actually, I really liked this song. Good man. Yeah, I thought this was good. All right, let's move on to this one with Sleeping with Sirens uh, called Crosses featuring Spencer Chamberlain of Under Oath. So we've never talked about Sleeping with Sirens on this show, to my knowledge. Brandon, are you a fan of theirs? Um, I've heard the name a thousand times and just like most things that you throw on here, I just never really I just never really dug into them, Um, which I think is kind of weird because you and I like grew up in the same era, but like listened to like a lot of the same bands but like sometimes there was just completely different worlds that we were in um they were at the tail end of like the scene though i think they didn't really hit until like 2010 to 2012 yeah by that time i was full-on cannibal corpse so yeah their first record was good and it sold so well that i think they were on rise records at the time they ended up having to go like re-record a new album like nine months later just to get another album out which ended up selling well but they kind of not flopped after that but lost like all of their steam um they're still incredibly popular within the scene i wasn't expecting to love this track as much as i do i've always found kellen singing to be kind of hit or miss i still don't really love it but i think he uses it better than he used to and i really enjoyed the breakdown on this one i think the contrast of him and spencer trading off screams was really cool yeah man did did you like this one, Logan? Are you a fan of yeah, Under Oath uh, or Sleeping with Sirens? I'm a I'm a big fan of Under Oath. Um, really like them, but I I've never really given Sleeping with Sirens a, a time kind of the same way with Brandon. Um, I definitely had to do a double take when I saw Sleeping with Sirens featuring Under Oath. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that, I, I was just like, am I reading this right? Um, but yeah, I I, I liked it. Um, I. I kind of tempted to go back and listen to some sleeping with sirens but i just i've never really given them the shot i actually i saw them because i took my wife to see falling in reverse who i'm i'm definitely not a fan of but i took my wife to see falling in reverse <laughs> and i think they Talk were on they were i think they were on the bill um but other than that i've never really sought them out yeah that sounds like an interesting show to say the least uh i would i would definitely revisit their first two albums those are the only two i can vouch for personally i i just need to say with this song and a lot of the other music we have on this podcast at least two of the albums are, are we witnessing the beginning of a post-hardcore renaissance right now i think i we don't are. know I don't I know if it's are. the beginning, if we've been referencing it for like a year and a half now. That, that's <laughs> There's been a lot of post-hardcore coming out. Okay. Yes, in the grand scheme of history, sure, a year and a half is still <laughs> the beginning. <laughs> Great. Well, maybe we're in the middle, and I'm still definitely here for it. Yeah, I'm. I'm all for it. 
Oh, I am as well. We're we're in agreement for that. All right, let's move on. We got a new one from Megadeth called "Will Be Back." And oh man, yes, that they sounds are so back. good to hear. <laughs> oh man, I grew up listening to a lot of Megadeth, and I was not expecting to hear this at all. What is what are your guys' backgrounds with them? Did you grow up listening to them? So I didn't grow up listening to Megadeth, but uh, after Guitar Hero Two, I got real into Megadeth. <laughs> as one does yeah <laughs> I, I was not expecting them to be on a list on a show about new releases have they been like steadily releasing music or is this kind of unique first no, single in is... like years yeah yeah wow. and they're going to release a new album i believe too hell yeah oh wow Did i, like I really point? liked this song good i i thought it was fucking good and i was kind of like worried that it was going to just be a bunch of old dudes rocking out <laughs> that was kind of my first thought when at the gates released their new album was that last year yeah, that was last year um and honestly mustaine sounds a little old here but he sounds great I, he sounds that was great my, that was my note too is that he's the only one you can tell is aged a little bit but i think that's mostly because they mixed the vocals or recorded them like one line at a time and that's the only thing about this song that bugs me is you can hear the the breaks when he's singing drives me crazy i have to mention the onion article which is titled musicians still making art as if megadeth's rust in peace doesn't exist <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> I, if if nobody's read, if somebody listening has not read that article, I'm throwing it in the show notes because it's fucking amazing. <laughs> Love the Onion. That's incredible. We'll definitely I, be checking out their full album. What's up, Logan? I went back and listened to like the first like 20 seconds of this song several times just because I really really like that intro riff a lot. Oh, it's um, so I kept finding myself rewinding. Like, nope, gotta listen to that intro again. <laughs> um, I liked the whole song, but and then uh, and just the fact that there's just like like a bunch of mini guitar solos just like littered everywhere like it, it's i just liked it a lot i was yeah joking. yeah i i love these throwbacks and it's going to be interesting to hear how well they can do this over a full album at this stage in their career but i'm i'm intrigued definitely all right let's move on to this one you threw on here from lorna shore called into the earth is this the second Lorna Shore song we've covered yep. in two weeks, yep. Brandon? I'm gonna okay. take I'm gonna take it away. Yeah, um, please. I threw on I think it was called Sun Eater last week, um, but that single had released I think at least a month ago, and I had just found out about it. This is a new single that just released. Um, there's been a lot of buzz about this album or this band in the deathcore community, and um, you had said last week you didn't really like the death metal power metal combination um yes. but i really like the sense man i'm curious how they put all of this into an album though i know they've released other albums but i haven't had the time nor care to listen to their back their back catalog yet it's in my listen to next which is growing at a so you'll never rate, get to which it. is growing at a rate that is unfortunate um i think the <laughs> vocalist has an insane range but i think he just uses his range to use it i'm not sure how, i'm still not sure how i feel about this band they're getting a lot of buzz and i really wanted to hear what logan thought about it because you had just <laughs> you had just told me that you never got into this style of music but this yeah. is not that style it's just that vocal style that you never got into yeah uh the, the mu musically this was a cool song um and we've had conversations about this exact genre before and like musically <laughs> i love it I can't get into these like low guttural like pig squeal screaming. I just it 
it's not pleasant to me and i really love heavy music but i just i always tend towards the like higher pitched screaming what um, if i told you it wasn't supposed to be pleasant does that change your mind <laughs> well it doesn't I'm, make it more it doesn't make it more enjoyable <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I can just say mission accomplished then. <laughs> God, uh, I agree with you, Logan. I think from a technical perspective, this song is incredible. Vocally, though, when he goes into the low gutturals, it's just like, come on. Yeah, I mean, hearing squealing is not nice to hear is a funny thing to say. But yeah, it's just it, it's not pleasant on the ears, but. Brandon was also trying to get me to watch video footage of the inside of someone's throat while they do growl. Oh, it was like this, this guy the other week. Oh yeah, this it guy. This guy. Oh, no, I'm, no, thank you. <laughs> so if you want to see how it's done from the inside, <laughs> I mean, people have been asking me to listen to Lorna Shore for years. I've heard the like, I've heard the name. Um, I've had a couple friends bring this guy up, and I, this was like, I finally listened to him, and I'm like, oh, yep, exactly what I expected. <laughs> uh, but I, I did really like the like symphonic, the symphonic intro to the song. I thought that was really neat, and musically it was a cool song. I just not into the screen. Couldn't agree more. Well, speaking With of low gutturals. Yeah. Let's yeah. To <laughs> forth carnivorous incantation. This is what Brandon does to me every week. I'm glad somebody else has You're welcome. This is, this is exactly what I, I'd expect a band called Vomit Forth to produce. Yes. It's super sludgy death metal, which is never my favorite. Brandon loves it. What did you think, Brandon? I think that once this track finds its groove, like 45 seconds in, it's fucking awesome. You think the audience that just randomly hits play on this is going to make it 45 seconds? You know, I would hope that people who listen to our podcast know that we have eclectic tastes. And if you don't like it, just skip over it, bro, because right underneath this, we have some bangers. Yeah, I, I agree. And I do think if somebody actually did hit play on a song by a band called Vomit Forth, then nothing would really throw them off. They know what they got into. <laughs> I just I've I've just been I've been a death metal fan since I first like found metal. And I don't know, man, shit like this just is my jam. It's not everybody's and I can respect that. But I really do appreciate how uh you, John, and you, Logan, can appreciate the instrumentals on this. Logan, what did you think of Vomit Forth? Uh, I mean, it was, it was fine. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, it, it was heavy music and I probably would like it if a different vocal style was used on it. I do like screams. I don't want to get the impression for it that I don't like heavy music. I think, I think this isn't, this isn't my kind of heavy music. Understood. Great. You only like music about as heavy as yellow card. That's kind oh, of Oh yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to that's the exact image I'm trying to get across here. Well, spoiler alert, I'm gonna keep throwing death metal on here so y'all can suck it. <laughs> All right, man. Well let's move on. We got this little three song uh project Rotoscope by Spirit Box, who we've covered I think a few times on this. Uh, yeah. they're they're a really fun group. You never know what you're gonna get. This is I'm usually a little bit of a prude with music. But I, I love how weird their shit is. And I think that her voice matches their weirdness perfectly. And this is a great collection of songs. Did you like how weird this is, Logan? I did. This is really cool. I've never heard of Spirit Box before. But I got, like, Birthday Massacre, like, Lady Tron, like, Shiny Toy Guns vibes from it. And yeah. I really loved it. Um, huge fan of that style. And then, like, when the screams came in out of nowhere, I was like, whoa, that I thought that would clash. <laughs> I thought that would clash. But that was really cool. And I, I, I really liked it. Uh, 
Like the the title track is definitely a standout. I liked it. Yeah, I agree. Brandon, I know you loved this. How much did you love this? Okay, so um this band is pushing genre norms that I'm like super here for. They they fit, they don't fit into the box perfectly, but they are quote unquote metal core. But they are pushing every single fucking boundary as that they can. And there's like dance sen- sensibility on this. It's like a it's like catchy industrial music, which sounds like an oxymoron, but it is. I yeah, I fucking love this. I'm quickly becoming a pretty big fan of this band. In fact, I'm going to throw in the show notes if you guys haven't seen it. Um, there is a little 10-year-old girl that goes on America's Got Talent and covers a spirit box song. And she's actually really good. <laughs> Her dad sits there like so proud. It's fantastic. That's fucking awesome. Let's get her on the pod. Right? <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Let's move on. We got this release. I don't know if it's quite an EP. It's by... Do you just say Div? Is that how you pronounce this band name, Brandon? I actually think that it's Dive. Okay. We'll say Dive. So the release is called Sometime Human and Geist. I don't know much about this group, but I looked a little into it, and it looks like those were the first three songs ever created for this project like 10 years ago, and they're just finally giving it a streaming release. I believe it's that a little is the more, case. Yeah, it's a little more dreamy and shoegazy than I typically like, but I thought these were okay. What did you think? By God, it's shoegaze. Um, <laughs> um, I honestly, I've I, I went through this kind of like indie um, exploration period back in like 2017, and just like couldn't consume enough of it, sort of thing, and found like a ton of bands that I really enjoy and dive has put out some music that I really, really like. So I threw this on blind. This is not my favorite project for them, but I do think that it was super chill and uh, it's nothing that you really want to pay attention to. Right. And like, I'm uh, no, it's, but it's, it's like great for like washing dishes and shit or like going for a walk. I think, you know, I don't know. I think that has merit. What do you think about this Logan? No, I, I liked it. I mean, I'm not really, I've never really resonated with the whole kind of airy, eclectic indie music thing, kind of like this. I mean, Geist kind of stood out a little bit more than the other songs did for me on this album, um, or EP, or whatever we're calling it. But um, I didn't really have anything negative to say about it, but it just, it didn't really resonate with me. Um, But I mean, kind of going back to Brandon's point, it was, it was nice to have on in the background. It it was pleasant. Um, Yeah, I'll agree with that. I, I think... If that's like the takeaway from an album, that's not necessarily an insult. It's good for something. <laughs> All right, you guys are ready to move on to the albums? No, I think oh, we yeah. should stay here for a minute. Um, <laughs> All right, let's stay on dive. <laughs> Go into the history of shoegaze, shall we? <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, first up, we're going to talk about Coheed and Cambria's new release, Vaxis 2, A Window into the Waking Mind, which finally was released after, I believe, some delays because of production on vinyl. Is that why the album was pushed back a little bit? Yeah, they wanted to release the vinyl on launch day, and the the ship the shipment of the vinyl sets got delayed, and that's why they pushed it back a month. Well, let's just start there. Are they always really big with, like, the physical side of their music in terms of how they release it yeah they release big box sets with books and i, I don't know um how familiar you you are with coheed i've talked to brandon about them a lot uh, about them a lot they they all their music is based off of a series of comics novels and like short stories 
yeah. um, that all take place in this sci-fi universe he's created called the Emery Wars. And so they do big box sets that come with like a book that has like the story of the album and it has like they'll commission these paintings and art. Like I've gone to an art gallery just to see um, a show where they commissioned a painting for every song on an album. Um, oh, shit. Like they do massive physical releases for all of their stuff. Now, I, I knew about the story. I don't know much about the story that it's based on specifically. Are these albums telling the story in a chronological order? Um, so, kind of. So, it started out, so the first album, Second Stage Turbine Blade, it, it, that started the Amory Wars proper. And it goes up through Good Apollo, I'm Burning Star 4, Volume 2, No World for Tomorrow, which was... Uh, that's the end of kind of that Amory Wars proper story. Um, then they came out with like the Afterman double album, and that's actually a prequel. Okay. Um, and I think even before that, they came out with Year of the Black Rainbow, which was a novel. It wasn't even a comic. It was a novel he wrote that is also a prequel. Um, and then now with the Vaxis albums, it's the first next chapter in the Amory Wars since that second Good Apollo album. Okay. Gotcha. So that's where we're at going into this album. And it's funny that like there is this deep lore behind their music because I found that out maybe five or six years ago, but I've enjoyed their music just as much without ever knowing that. And I think that kind of <laughs> speaks to how talented they are as a band. You can take away whatever you want from their music, which is really cool. So let's get into the music itself. Um, I've been on the web reading a little bit about this album and seeing reactions to it. And one of the common things I'm seeing is this is their best album since Good Apollo. So I want to start there. Do you think that they peaked a long time ago and this is kind of their second wind or have you enjoyed everything up until this point kind of equally? So I kind of mostly agree with that statement you just said, but in my opinion, they. Afterman was excellent, and I think this is their best since Afterman. Um, and and I personally love Year of the Black Rainbow, and don't really understand a lot of the hate it gets. So I think they they kind of kept high up through uh, Year of the Black Rainbow and Afterman, and then I think Color Before the Sun kind of dipped in quality a little. But I, I I still love that album, but it doesn't really hold up to the other albums. Um, and then I this album really hit me harder than Vaxxus one did i loved this album so i i i mostly agree but i'd add a few more after good apollo into like the best since statement fair enough fair enough all right so this album i found to be insanely approachable like it's very melodic it's the lot the songs were very easy to memorize right off the bat songs like comatose or the liars club they're just like anthemic by the end of the first listen i could sing the chorus word for word i love that quality and i think for a band that approaches their music from such a a deep place in terms of concept and theme it's always surprising how it seems when they're writing the song they're like what sounds cool and we'll write the lyrics around that do you have they ever talked about their process in terms of like what they do first do they write the music and then track the lyrics um, so I think they do write the music first, um, and I don't think it all comes straight out of Claudio. There's been songs like, I think he even said Number City off of um, Afterman was written based on just a line that Travis was messing with in the studio in their off time. Um, 
so the, uh, so I think they just kind of come together, come up with the music first, and I think the lyrics follow. Um, but then he's also, I think it's, it could be a mix of both, because he's also said, like, there's been like a chorus line he's got stuck in his head, and he writes the song to fit it. Um, so I, it, So it might just be kind of off and on for him. Yeah, I think... And I, I feel like the rest of the band, at least from a casual fan perspective, kind of gets discredited because he's such a overpowering figure, especially when you see them live and you don't really know who they are. You just see a big ball of hair and a double neck guitar and you walk away thinking about pretty much only that, not much <laughs> of the other guys in the band. Um, so that's really cool that they kind of all contribute. And I think they all probably take a lot of equal ownership over how much they they contributed to these albums and it's not just the claudio show that they're here to serve the vision of and i think this album really showcased zach and josh a lot this was the rhythm sections album Inter okay so i don't know anybody but claudio by name so Tima, what what instrument does zach play and what one does josh so play? zach is the bassist and josh is the drummer gotcha okay and what really stood out about this album, like in terms of their performance? I mean, the little bass runs in Blood and and stuff like, like there's just so many. Uh, it seems like at the at the middle of a verse, just the bass will be like, "Hold on, I'm just gonna rock out for a sec here," and then it'll go back to, <laughs> like, it just out of no out of left field, there'll just be some crazy like, doo -doo 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 -doo. like okay, all right, sure, you do you, Zach. Um, and it, it just feels like a lot of these songs where they're not as guitar heavy as some of the previous Coheed albums. There's like this song, this album was in like three distinct parts in my mind. There's there's the, the first set of songs that's very classic Coheed. Mm -hmm. And then they just go into this like 80s synth pop section for a while, uh, yet it's still very Coheed. But during that section, it just seems like the drumming and the and and the bass lines just went off, and it, the 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 guitars kind of took sort of a backseat for like the middle sections of the album. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'm gonna have to listen kind of with that in mind next time. I didn't really pick it up. Um, that's interesting though. There is, I think, a driving force behind this album in terms of the rhythm section that really keeps the momentum going forward and just keeping me engaged and listening to it. Um, Brandon, let's go to you for a second. What is your favorite Coheed and Cambria album leading up to this? Um, uh, good, good Apollo 4. What is that? I'm Burning Star. I forget the full name of the album. Okay, so there's Good Apollo, I'm Burning Star 4, Volume 1, From Fear Through <laughs> the Eyes of Madness. <laughs> That's and, the then there's, and then there's Good Apollo, I'm Burning Star 4, Volume 2, No World for Tomorrow. <laughs> It's, oh my god! <laughs> see, this is why we had you on the show, Logan. Just, just I know we I know we said it off, Mike. Logan, how many times have you seen Coheed and Cambria? Uh, about fifteen times. Amazing. Um, yeah, uh, good, good Apollo. One. I'm Burning Star Four, Volume One is the album I am most familiar with. Um, Logan, you've been talking to me about Coheed for forever, and I've. I dived into a handful of their albums before, but I got to say, after I listened to this one about six times, I was like, you know what? They probably have a bunch of other music that I'm like super into. <laughs> so um, I threw their entire discography on my listen to next, which I will get to, John. I find it rude that you think I don't actually get to it. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you liked if you liked this album a lot, I think uh, there's a lot of Year of the Black Rainbow on here, and I think there's a lot of the Afterman, especially the Afterman. This this was kind of a return to form for like the Afterman double album. Interesting. Okay. 
And I, I, yeah, I really dig that, that style too. So I was really excited. Um, and, and then there, then you get to like the last three tracks on this album, which are completely different from the like eighties synthy vibe that was going on there. And they feel the most coheed in my opinion of any of the tracks on this. And they're almost like an unofficial suite and, and coheed's really into suites. Um, so a lot of their songs are like part one, part two, part three of like these giant theatrical suites but these last three songs on the album really just ran together perfectly and i think honestly the transition from ladders of supremacy to rise nayanasha cut the cord that transition might be my favorite moment on the album wow no that's that's an incredible transition brandon and i are huge fans of like really really good transitions on albums and they're usually our favorite moments as well I think that you bring up a good point, which is these last three songs kind of feel like them just stepping up to leave you with this, I don't know, just kind of leave you overwhelmed in a, in a really good way. And you can even tell in the in the times of the songs, like they stay pretty conventional three and a half minutes to two and a half minutes for most of the album. And for those last three songs, those are all like five to eight minute songs <laughs> like yeah. they clearly were just going all in on those and i appreciate that let's do a little questionnaire so what's what's your guys's favorite song on the album if you had to pick one we'll start with you brandon ladders of supremacy oh deep pick i should have guessed that from you what about you logan um God, can it be a toss-up between two or do i yeah have to pick of course one? all right There's no, no rules matter <laughs> I've they're, picked their whole very, album before. <laughs> they're very different, but I think it's a toss-up between Rise Nayanasha Cut the Cord and a Disappearing Act. Interesting. Interesting I, I really choice. like the Disappearing Act, too. Um, mine's either going to be Comatose or The Liars Club. I have to do a toss-up as well. Do we have all different favorite songs? <laughs> we is, all do. That is beautiful. That's um, why I wanted to ask it. <laughs> I wanted to tell you guys because I thought it was hilarious. There was an interview with Claudio recently, and apparently when he recorded bad man it was in his room and i quote high as shit <laughs> okay i'm and it glad was... you <laughs> oh my gosh that makes perfect sense because that song is the one that stands out to me on the album is like something different's going on it's, here it's coheed meets the weekend yeah, um, the amount of auto-tune was very surprising has he used that type of auto-tune on a song before He's he's done little parts or whatever when he wants to sound like electronic, but um, and and I feel like that's kind of how it was on this song. I love this song. I and I, it's it's kind of funny that like it's it's so different, but I keep coming back to the song just because that chorus is so catchy. The mama, watch your mouth, and like just like <laughs> I, I just so into it. Um, but apparently he was like in the studio trying to channel Michael Jackson and he just couldn't and he like wanted that for this song so he just got high as shit and did it in his in his room at home amazing oh my god uh, just because that was the only way he felt comfortable enough to do what he had to do on this song and I'm glad um, that's and, fucking incredible yeah. and I think the Liars Club is this generation of Coheed's uh, favorite house Atlantic it's catchy and and simple to get into and i really like it and we actually when we saw them um most recently at pappy and harriet's it was the first show we went to post the lockdown okay um they they debuted that song so it wasn't even a single oh, wow. at that point um 
and they played it during their encore and it was kind of interesting because they didn't have the effects and stuff on the song that they do on the album when they played it for the encore so my first time hearing that song i actually kind of thought it was a little heavier than it turned out to be <laughs> um and just because you know that that intro riff the do 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 it like it sounds a little more electronic on the album but yeah. that that was lead guitar when i first heard the song because i first heard it live um so i'm really excited to hear this one again live having now heard the album version i love moments like that it's only happened like once or twice where i've heard a, a song live before it was released and actually got to hear the before and after process the liars club really stands out to me because of just it's kind of an anthemic emo type of track like it was really giving me uh like uh black parade my chemical romance type of vibes with that song but it's interesting you say it's their a favor house because that's the song of theirs that i discovered them through and i feel like that's the song a lot of people discovered them through is that how you found them as well or like the first song of theirs of of theirs uh, that you heard it was the first song of theirs I'd heard, but I didn't know it was them when I heard it. And I just like, oh, that's a cool song and moved on with my life. And I didn't really get back into Coheed again until I was driving at like four in the morning and the running free off No World for Tomorrow came on the radio. And I just went, oh, snap, like this is my jam. And I just went and just listened to their entire discography up to that point, like when I got home. That's awesome. <laughs> But I had heard, I just didn't, I wasn't aware that I had heard it before. I heard, I had heard uh, Favorite House Atlantic before, and it's, it's their most popular song, I think, because it's their most accessible. Um, you, would you say it's more popular than Welcome Home at this point? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think more people know Favorite House Atlantic than Welcome Home, but, but Welcome Home really got big because of rock band, or was it, was it Guitar Hero? Is that, One of them I had it on there. Interesting. I didn't know it was kind of big because of that i always thought that, that was kind of like their magnum opus of a song back then <laughs> and uh when i saw them at coachella i think in 20 2009 they did it with like the usc band so oh I always yeah that was really cool yeah <laughs> yeah that, that video is on uh youtube throw that in the show notes brandon you know i will um <laughs> yeah there before i move on what was the first song of theirs you heard brandon uh favorite house atlantic okay so we all kind of started at the same point i always associated them more with the like emo scene than i did with the prog rock scene would you consider their fan base logan to be like a mixture of both or is it mostly prog rock or mostly emo or just kind of everything i i don't think i really ever associated them with emo and i don't uh their, their fan base is very much a prog rock fan base interesting um, uh but like there's also some like radio rock fan people there i guess i i sure. I, 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 I don't know if i've really seen any of an emo fan base there. you know what's I think funny it, though is when that? you go on spotify uh they have like suggested playlists for when uh you click on albums or artists and uh early 2000s emo is a suggested playlist because i think i think favor house is considered an emo hit even though like that that's yeah i can why see I that bring it up it's a little confusing how i found them was through emo friends of mine at the time scene kids and i think it was mostly because of his vocal register more yeah, than I the can music see yeah they weren't really listening to the music they're just like this guy sings high he can be an <laughs> alisana or you know whatever the fucking dumb shit um i also think the music video for that song was incredible and did a huge role in like 
how I don't know. I remember that being one of the first things I saw as well. And that played a pretty big factor because it showed me their sense of humor, which I'm sure you guys have all seen that video. It's pretty great. Yeah, it's a great video. And then I always like how after that video, all the rest of their videos are like super fantasy, like referencing the lore and like, <laughs> like it went from like this funny, like bar guys in a video bar. Yeah. to like, oh, if you look at the video for like the suffering, it's like about like a centaur who's falling in love with a mermaid. And it's like, they just completely went the other direction after that one video. Oh, they talk about a left turn. That's, that's fucking out there. Um, it's fucking great. Logan, do uh, you have any specific thoughts about this album? It it's a huge departure, but it really works for me. And I I would go back to saying yes. This is, in my opinion, their best album since Afterman. Uh, yeah, that's. Oh, and then just how theatrical Window of a Waking Mind felt. I thought it was a stage play, like. The, the title track at the end. Yeah. Um, this is just nine minute epic, like rock opera with like voiceovers and everything. And fantastic. You were in the Armory Wars when you were yeah. listening to that song. <laughs> All exactly. right. So let's get down to the tough part scores. Unless you have anything you want to add first, Brandon. Um, I do want to add something. Uh, Ladders of Supremacy. Uh, the only thing I could think of after listening to that song was if Black Sabbath, Mastodon, and Kavinsky all had a baby. That's what that song would be. That's what I wrote down, and I needed to say it out loud. <laughs> if Kavinsky had a production credit on a Coheed song, I would lose my fucking mind, man. That is hilarious. Uh, yeah, uh, Window of the Waking Mind, I was just in full body chills by the end of it, man. That th this. All right, let's get into scores. Let's get into scores. Logan, we're going to start. We're going to put you on the hot seat for this album and this album only. What are you rating this out of 10 if you had to at the moment? Um, I listen to it about four times a day, so probably 10. <laughs> okay, damn. <laughs> I love it, dude. <laughs> Fucking A. All right, Brandon, uh, going to you. I have listened to this album an uncomfortable amount of times. For me, on a week where we have so much music to review... I like couldn't stop listening to this album and I can't find anything I didn't like. And the from the structure to the to the to the lyrics to the fucking all of it. It was it's this is a perfect album, bro. This is a ten out of ten. Wow. God damn, it's you guys are making me seem like a dick. <laughs> I got it like a high eight, low nine, but sure. <laughs> you know what? That's acceptable. That's acceptable. No, yeah, no, that, that's fair. None of this matters, but like that's no. fair, you know? <laughs> no. I mean, this was this was actually the first album I've ever listened to on vinyl first. Oh, that's um, fucking awesome. So I, I just kind of pulled up a big chair between my record player speakers and just closed my eyes and just let it happen. Um yeah, that, that, that I had a very emotional first reaction to this album. <laughs> I would as well if I could listen to it that way my first time. That I think that's how we should all listen to an album the first time. <laughs> I usually don't get the chance because I, I can't wait and it drops on Spotify and I have to listen to it immediately. But my vinyl showed up a day early. I pre-ordered it and it showed up a day before the album dropped. Yeah, I wish it was the possible. Next Carly Rae Jepsen album. Uh, no, dude, I wish it was possible. I or I pre-ordered Vince Staples album from last year, and I still haven't received oh it. Oh my god! So 
Gallant, who also is having that issue with his DP from last year, tweeted earlier. He's like, I might just get on a boat and bring this to you guys myself. <laughs> like, it's it's fucking crazy. But fucking Harry Styles and Adele each get 800 copies of their album on vinyl in every Target in America. So. They're all just <laughs> sitting there, too. They're all just sitting there. God. Welcome to Harry's yeah. house. They actually also put this album out on cassette tape. Oh, man, I fucking love a good cassette tape. I still <laughs> buy them, but then I realize how inconvenient they are to They're listen to. terrible. <laughs> They're like, so shit, cool. I gotta rewind it and then flip it. And then, yeah, it's some <laughs> bullshit, dude. Just pull up my laptop. All right, you guys ready to move on? Yeah. Okay, you sure, Logan? There's nothing else you gotta say? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I, I can okay. talk your ear off for another couple hours, but it's fine. <laughs> we'll do the, the revisit pod in six months for that album. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to this new one from Alexis on Fire, Otherness. Brandon and I talked about them for the first time a few weeks ago, and both him and I have a very vague familiarity with their older music, mostly just their hits, I think. Uh, he did not know Dallas Green of City and Color was in Alexis on Fire. Are you aware of any of the names I just said? Um, Alexis on Fire, I'm aware of. <laughs> okay. So Dallas Green, the guitarist of this band slash clean vocalist, is in a group called City and Color that is like a massive, I, I don't want to say country, but it's kind of like an acoustic emo indie type thing that got bigger than Alexis on fire. And I think since it got bigger, everything they've released has been a little more melodic. So that's kind of why if you've ever heard any of their old stuff and it was a lot more aggressive and this has a lot more slowed down music, I, I would guess that is the reason for it. Um, I will go first on this album. I think I like everything about their sound when it comes together right on tracks like Sweet Dreams or Survivor's Guilt. I'm able to turn off like my critical brain and enjoy it. But as a whole, I think this is a fucking super uneven album. There's tracks on it that I like, but Sans Soleil and Mistaken Information could just as easily be City and Color songs. And I like their foray into like Maylene and the Sons of Disaster-esque Southern <laughs> metal riffs on Committed to the Con and Reverse the Curse, but it's not really them. I listen to them to get a very specific mix of melodic post-hardcore, and this album's a little too inconsistent to be reliable for that one. So I gave it a 5 out of 10. Sweet Dreams was my standout. Brandon, I'll kick it to you. What are your thoughts on this? Hey, you, get the fuck off my lawn is a fucking hilarious way to open an album for people <laughs> that are all 30-plus now. Um, <laughs> I just needed to throw that one out there. Logan actually had me listen to Crisis. Uh, last weekend uh, before this album dropped as I never mm -hmm. like like you just said I never really got into them and I really enjoyed Crisis um, they were clearly uh, different um, they uh, they actually toured with Silverstein a bunch back in the day who uh, everybody in the world everybody knows, toured I'm... with Silverstein a bunch back in the day <laughs> <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Silverstein maybe, maybe they should tour together again um, I actually enjoyed listening to this album. Um, they, they've softened a bit, but it honestly doesn't take like much away from their sound, in my opinion. The vocalist has a pretty good range, and he uses it. Um, there's a lot of interesting instrumental range here, too. I, I think my only complaint about this album is the structure. Some, like Towards the middle, I was like, it was like hard to stay engaged. Um, 
I actually turned it off a couple of times once. Um, what's the song called? Blue something or other, I think. It's, uh, yeah, Blue there. Spade. Yep. Yeah, uh, I, I felt the same. I got stuck on that song, too. <laughs> yeah, um, Mistaken Information, actually. that That's the one where I was just, I kept getting just, like, stuck. Overall, though, this is a pretty mature output for a post-hardcore band, um, and I'm going to be diving into their discography to get a little bit more context to this. Um, I really liked the first half of the album more than I liked the second half of the album, uh, but the guitar solo on World Stops is pretty fucking neat. Um, this is 13 <laughs> years since a release. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I gave it a seven. My, my standout was uh, Sweet Dreams of Otherness and hey. really mistaken uh, information just really threw me for a loop like every time I hear every time I heard it. So <laughs> before we kick it to Logan, um, you say you're going to listen to your whole listen to next playlist. Yet over the course of this podcast, you've said you've added like eight groups discographies <laughs> to that fucking playlist. You're never getting through it. Oh, you better believe, bro. <laughs> All right, Logan, what, did you have any thoughts on this one? I mean, I've been a big Alexis on Fire fan for a while. Um, okay. But I like, as Brandon said, I'm a huge fan of Crisis. Crisis was an incredible album. I've listened <laughs> to their stuff before that, really into it. They kind of lost me with Old Crows and Young Cardinals. Yeah. Um, and this, even though it's not as in your face as Crisis was, at least the vocals were kind of a return to form um, after Old Crows, Young Cardinals. So I actually really appreciated that um and i i kind of liked this album it does it does slow in the bit of in the middle a bit but uh, it it kind of felt like this was the alexis on fire i missed from the era of young car of old rose young cardinals um and then for me the standout is committed to the con that was a great song yeah it's a great intro i i'm a huge intro guy and i thought that one set the tone for the album well what score did you give it Ah, God, I'd probably give this like a seven to eight. Yeah, that's fair. I think it's yeah. it could be anywhere in there. It's it's a decent album. I just had some problems with the structure overall, but not a bad release. Let's move on to this new one from Emery called "Rub Some Dirt on It." So Emery was one of my first concerts, and I'm always going to have a huge place in my heart for them. You can actually see a video from that show on YouTube. It's a video of them performing walls at the boardwalk in Orangevale, and they throw this like colored chalk powder everywhere during the breakdown. The venue is not fucking happy about that. <laughs> um, yeah, let's throw that video in the show notes, please, Brandon. What is it? And it, what, what it's a uh, Emery Walls, the boardwalk, Orangevale. God. I'll give you the link after the show. Do it. Um, anyways, I say all of that just to say this band meant a lot to me at a certain point in my life. I stopped listening to them around 2009, but The Week's End and The Question are both classics to me. Their next three albums after that didn't do much, and I kind of fell off because of that. It probably had more to do with my taste changing than their sound, because after listening or after not listening to them for like 15 years, they still sound pretty much the same. Toby and Devin's voices haven't aged and Josh still has a pretty unique scream. None of these songs are among their best, but I think they're all pretty good with the exception of Lovely Lady. I think they could have cut that one off the end. But overall, I thought they still had it. And I, I think Concussion was my standout. I gave this one a 6 out of 10 overall. Logan, how familiar are you with Emery? So this album actually made me sad that I've never listened to Emery before. Oh, man. 
they're like modern never, dad rock for anyone who grew up in the scene. I, I had heard the name, but I have never listened to them before. And this was weird and heavy, and I really liked it. Like, this was... I actually, I threw this on a few times. I really liked this. Uh, there were some cool vocal harmonies, and a lot of the bridge sections were really cool. And I have no frame of reference, because this is the first I've ever listened to of Emery, but I there was a lot to like here. Yeah, they're they're very unique and they're kind of like um I guess their style fits in the scene more, but like when you see Emery Live, these guys are not scene kids. Like they were all like 30 and wearing like just dad jeans and shit, but they make really good music and they always fucking kill it live. Brandon, what what's your history with Emery? Uh there is none. You've never heard Emery before this? I, I've listened to Emery before. I even went back and I was like, I know I've heard Emery. What You've songs heard have I Walls, heard? right? And I've heard Walls and I've heard a handful of other songs from them because obviously I was in that scene um, of music, but I never like got into them. And so like Logan, it made me sad that I never got into them. Oh, um, and this album, this album is really good, bro. <laughs> this is Dude. another mature selection for a post-hardcore band. I think I like this one a bit more than the Alexis on Fire album. They're obviously hard to compare because they're at this point, two different styles, even though they're kind of the same genre. Um, I, I love the closing track, bro. I love "Lovely Lady." You're man. crazy. I love Leave. it, bro. Oh, yeah. it. Name, bro. I thought it. I thought it was delightful. Jazzy post hardcore. Jazzy post hardcore is beautiful. It's amazing, <laughs> um, there, dude. There's lots of energy throughout, and you can tell that they had a lot of fun recording this. And I think. Uh, the way they op- opened the song Wizard with that voicemail was pretty cool. I think that voicemails are kind of overdone, but I think they did this one right. Okay. Um, there's there's there, there's an almost perfect amount of heavy and soft on this album for my taste in this genre. Don't Waste Your Breath has like a ton of emotions. The vocals are crisp and also raw. They hit some like some heavy topics like loss, like loss of faith and like some church abuses like just kind of sprinkled in there. Um, I think they're at their best on this album when they get kind of emotional like that. The best part, like I said earlier, is that even when they're touching on difficult to manage topics or relationships, you can tell they all really enjoyed playing this album. I feel from the music that they have like a great band dynamic, although I, I could be wrong. Because oh, they I, do. No, they do. I, I thought the same thing about Every Time I Die uh, on Radical, but turns out I was super wrong on that one. Um, overall, I had a really fun time listening to this album um, all the times that I did, and I'll probably be revisiting it throughout the year. Rock is going to be a very difficult genre to pick from for the (laughs) podcast i gave it an eight my standout is be cool i like it man i like it and i'm not surprised that both of you are very high on it if it's your first time hearing emery i think it's very good and it it's probably the best they've sounded since the old days but man like the week's end and i would say the question front to back is a great album but the week's end is really the one that had their first like hit on it with walls it's funny that like we all kind of grew up in the same music scenes but all had like different bands were so big in different areas and emery was huge in my area for some reason some kid had (laughs) lyrics from walls tattooed on him it said uh these knuckles break before they bleed which is like one of the lines in that song and i was like i think i saw that tattoo before i even knew who they were as a band i was like dude this guy really likes that fucking band i better check them out <laughs> and uh 
yeah they're they're fucking awesome they're they're definitely one that will win you over live if you've never heard them too their keyboardist josh head he he plays a lot now and you can hear him but on their first album they literally had like one synth part and one song and they asked him to just come on the stage during that song to play that part live and he just literally headbangs the entire show and will not leave and he just throws <laughs> his keyboard all over the stage and shit. And he became their screamer after like, they were like, well, this guy's in the band now. I guess. <laughs> it's pretty great. That is absolutely fantastic. Uh, yeah, I, I actually awesome. know his name. Thanks to the last song on this album is called lovely lady. You should listen to it, John. God damn it. God damn it. Uh, Brandon, I, love, I love that he just pretended like he belonged and made his way into the band. That's fantastic. Yeah, he really did the Pam create your own job thing from the office. <laughs> so you're telling me that the keyboardist is the office administrator of Emory. God damn it. Um, yeah, check them out if you haven't. Brandon, I know your listen to next is growing. Throw their first two albums on there if you haven't already. <laughs> already done, sir. I, I figured you did. All right, let's move on to this only R&B album I have to cling on to this week. <laughs> it's Givian's new album, Give or Take. I'm sure you guys have essays and dissertations of notes for this album, but <laughs> um, I'll go first for you. I, I really enjoyed it. I think he gave us the album I was expecting. However, you cannot start your album off with a voicemail right after Bo Burnham just roasted the whole right. voicemail <laughs> intro on five years and made it so hard to take seriously, man. Uh, it's even more frustrating because that voicemail song is like one of my favorite songs on the album and I have to hear that shit every fucking time I hear it. Um, I don't want R&B singers to stop using voicemail in shows. Just release a version without it as well for me, please. <laughs> um, for as much as I enjoyed this album, I don't really have a lot to say. I think it's what I expected. I gave it an 8 out of 10. Scarred and Trying to Be were my favorites. Brandon, did this win you over as one of the few R&B albums you actually liked? So I actually did like this one. Um, I know you were really excited for this one to drop, John. So I'm glad, I'm glad you... Uh... I'm glad you. I'm glad you got this. Um, I'm pretty sure Givian played Coachella this year, correct? He did. Yeah. I I think I remember following along on the Coachella subreddit and somebody commenting, "Someone's definitely getting pregnant in the porta potty to Givian set right now." Um, <laughs> um, I feel what like a place to conceive. I feel Anyways. like he has a range, but I don't feel like he uses it very well on this album. Um, other than the lack of use of his range, I, I think he does sound good. Um, the production on Let Me Go and This Will Do is really cool. It's like bassy, but like still subdued and still manages to keep the attention on the vocals. Um, the filtered and echoed piano on Get To You, on that Get To You intro is fucking beautiful. Actually reminds me a little bit of how Caribou does his does their piano um the piano chord progression on um make you mine is also really well done um i like how it's a 15 song album but it doesn't really lose me with like long six minute r&b ballads which you know like i'm not a huge fan of it's only 45 minutes long this whole album which um you and i have kind of agreed is basically the perfect album length even yep. though there's exceptions to that rule for on, certain genre. on on yeah. on this uh on this on this podcast um 
I enjoyed listening to this one. I'll probably be revisiting it, revisiting it again because I, I I did like it, but I did think that there was so much other better music on this on this playlist this week. I know you'll disagree with me, but that's how I feel. Um, I gave it a six. My standout was "Lie Again." Hey, that's fair, man. It's very weird that you like the worst song on the album is your favorite, but I'll leave that for another day. Interesting. Okay, <laughs> uh, Logan, I know you're not an R and B guy. I did you even make it all the way through this album be honest uh, i almost didn't but out of, <laughs> out of respect out of respect for you and your podcast i, I, I did well i appreciate um, that yeah I, i'm just not into the i don't really have anything negative to say about it either i'm just i'm just not really into this kind of music i think uh, that's and, fine and i'm, I'm again I, I don't like to write off a whole genre uh i'm sure there's exceptions i can't think of them right now but uh yeah i i it not just, for you it just kind of happened for me. Yeah. <laughs> it happened to Logan. Yeah. Like the dive album. Just put it on while you're doing dishes yeah, or something. Yeah, there you go. It was fine. I had no complaints other than I don't want to listen to this again. Yeah, he's he's a newer artist, and I don't think this was as interesting as it could have been. For context, I think he was completely unknown and homeless like two years ago. And now oh, wow. he got like noticed by Drake and did like a... a chorus for him and that just like he was fucking main stage at Coachella this year and it's weird to think that the dude went from like homeless to drinking champagne on stage at Coachella in like two years but props to him I, I think he he still has some stuff to work out and he actually got roasted this weekend because he was playing Glastonbury and they were streaming his set and he was very much struggling to hit notes and he was started blaming it on his earpiece, which is probably what happened, but still he he's not unfallible. He still has some stuff to prove. And I don't think his vocals are going to win everybody over on first listen for sure. So I appreciate you giving it the time. That's, of day. that's honestly probably a fair statement. Cause as someone who's like been on stage, if your monitors go out or if you can't hear yourself, it's real hard to sound good after that. Oh yeah, it fucking is, man. It happened countless times during the Coachella Coachella recordings. Brandon and I were watching, especially weekend one. That that was a shit show. <laughs> All right, let's move on to this new Lupe Fiasco album called Drill Music and Zion. This is your first new Lupe Fiasco album that you're experiencing, right, Brandon? Yes, sir. And how did that work out for you? All right. Uh... So I, I, I think that the Lions Dean intro is fucking awesome. Can we do some, can we get some, some snaps around, all around? Um, so this, the lyrical content on this whole album is fucking incredible. The fact that this only took him three days to make is insane. Um, I actually super disagree with his choice to make Autobato the lead single from this album because it may be my least favorite on the album. Um, what? Yeah. Uh, Seattle's not your least favorite on this album. Oh boy. All right. Uh, the production <laughs> on Seattle is fucking beautiful, but I think lyrically it's his weakest. Um, okay. The way he creates this kind of ethereal vibe throughout is just fucking awesome. I thought since this is such a lyrical album that I would share some of my favorite lines, but honestly I can't pick many favorites as they just run like through the whole track effortless, effortlessly. Um, like reading poems. Yeah. yeah, man. I'm a big fan of this. I will be revisiting this very often throughout the year. This Friday was fucking insane for music drops. Um, I think, I think my favorite line in this album is rappers die too much. That's it. That's the verse. 
That is a true statement and a very good line. Like, damn, Neuralink is now pirating all your fantasies, mistaking the sanitation for sanity. Like, come on, man. I gave it a nine. My standout was Naomi. Wow, a nine. Shit. He got a nine out of you in three days. That's that's impressive. (laughs) Honestly, honestly, I'm super impressed with this album. Um, so we didn't talk about a lot of hip hop this week, Logan. Do you have do you tend to gravitate any more towards this like lyrically dense style of hip hop? He has a lot uh, of substance to what I, he's saying. I, I do. I liked this a lot better than the first hip hop track we talked about. Um I, I, I would unlike Brandon, I do have a very clear like favorite line on the album. And, and what's that? It's definitely you was vampire hunter D, now you Alucard. <laughs> I I just started cracking up. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge anime nerd, and when he started throwing in some nerdy lines in there, like I think the first song mentioned Assassin's Creed like four times. Yep. Um, so I, I this album was a little surprising to me. I there were some tracks I straight up didn't like on this album, and there were some tracks I really liked on this album, and I think it had to do with the speed or like the the style of his of his rapping on them. Mm-hmm. Every time he kind of it was the more dense songs were the ones I gravitated towards. Like Naomi was great, um, and uh, uh, I wrote down one, one more that I thought was uh, the Precious Things. I liked Precious yeah. Things a lot. Um, and I, when the album kind of started, I was like, I don't know if this is for me, but those those tracks kind of won me over a little bit. I would like to say I would straight up love an instrumental version of this album. Interesting. I, yeah. I it was basically like like he was rapping over like lo-fi tracks to study and relax to. Like I I, <laughs> I would love to just have a straight up instrumental version of this album to throw on and just relax to cuz it it was very pleasant musically. Um and and even though even though there were a few tracks where I wasn't really into the rapping cuz I I'm very picky when it comes to rap. Uh sure. he surprised me on a few. Yeah, I think he's he was much bigger in the 2010s and his style like i said just doesn't translate to this decade as well but it's fucking awesome to hear him still doing this and you touched on the instrumental style i thought that like you said it was great it's funny that you you say it's lo-fi beats to chill relax to <laughs> what's what's your lo-fi channel are you the girl or the raccoon what do you put on oh i put on i put on either the girl or i get really nerdy with it and there's actually a star wars version oh, where God. it's it's ahsoka <laughs> at the desk or whatever and it's all star wars remixes that are lo-fi and it's i, I get super into it that's awesome <laughs> i've been doing persona ones of those are you into that scene at all, Brandon? The lo-fi YouTube no, scene? No, but Logan has been sharing some very interesting uh, videos that are uh, pretty neat to watch about. Uh, what is it? The Monterey Bay Aquarium. They'll yeah. like, live stream their squids or their fish. With lo-fi <laughs> music. And I throw that on while I'm working. I love it. That sounds incredible. <laughs> That's like <laughs> we took those fish screensavers from the 90s and we're like, how can we make this better? We, ele- we elevated them. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this was actually there. this was the first time i've listened to lupe fiasco 
Oh, interesting. This this was brand new to me. I almost guarantee this is the first time you've heard his voice, but I was actually really excited to hear what you had to say about this, Logan, because uh, I know that this was outside of your wheelhouse a little bit, but I knew you were going to like these instrumentals. That's why I texted you. I was like, I'm super (laughs) stoked to hear what you think about Lupe Fiasco. (laughs) Yeah, no, instrumentally, this is an excellent album. I think just the the vocals were hit or miss for me just because of my preferences. I'm, that's perfect, man. I like that review. Um, I'm going to first say that I disagree. Brandon Autobotto is a great song. It made a f- perfect single. Um, the production on Precious Things, incredible. Not my favorite song on the album, but definitely my favorite instrumental. I don't... Seattle is the only weak part for me, Brandon. I Like I said, I, I can agree with you that the, the production of that one is good, especially for the time that it was done in. But I think that's the only song vocally where he just didn't do much for me. My my big standout on this one was Miss Mural. That's my favorite type of Lupe. Lupe. And I don't know what's different about that than his other types of music, but it just is to me. And that's the one I tend to gravitate towards the most, but this is definitely a front to back album. It's very short, it flows together very well, and it's very tranquil. It's not really what I was expecting, but I'm not mad at it. Um, Miss Mural was my standout. I gave this one a seven out of 10. I would say this is gonna be similar to the Emery thing though for you, if you ever like, like this is insanely good if this is the first Lupe you've ever heard, but if you go back to his glory days, you'll find some insane treasures because he has a really good career. Uh, Yeah, I think this is the second album of which his own oil painting is the album art. Of course. Yeah, he's a weird type of fucking dude that would do that type of shit. Love it. This is high art, homie. This is right up my alley. All right. Brandon, are you ready to talk about Porcupine Tree? Holy shit, bro. All right, let's skip it and let's talk about Soccer Mommy. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking guy. (laughs) We got a new release from Porcupine Tree, finally. Uh, Closure Continuation. We've been covering this release since the first single dropped, which was the first time I'd ever heard this band. I've been excited for this, but Brandon, you've been much more excited. I'm going to let you dive in first and tell us what you thought. You know, it's funny. I I told Logan that we were going to be reviewing this album. And he was like, man, I haven't listened to them since college. And I was like, no, no, no one has. (laughs) Like, like, it's it's, it's been 13 years, bro. This playlist is full of bands dropping music for the first time in 10 years. Like, yeah, this this is like the fourth (laughs) instance on this episode of, oh, yeah, you haven't, they haven't done anything in 10 years. And and some people say rock is dead. Yeah. All right, so how does one even like go about reviewing something like this? I don't know, man. There's so many textures, there's layers, there's like interesting techniques at play here that all kind of make it difficult to review. But I did a track by track, so strap in, boys. Um, I do want I do want to mention that I really appreciate that they released the singles as the first three tracks on the album in order. The Chemical Brothers did that same thing for Further and for Born in the Echoes, and that is pretty fucking neat. And it makes the album rollout a little bit more bearable, even though it still felt like my entire life. Uh, so Harridan is fucking incredible. Like I said, when the first the when the single first released, uh, that baseline is fucking insane. This is classic prog metal, and it really hits that spot. Uh, the way Steven just kind of like floats over the instrumentals. Steven's the vocalist. Um, the electronic effects are pretty neat too, and they drop them and like the filters uh, like when necessary they really know their boundaries and they kind of play with them a little bit 
of the new day i know you didn't like this one as much when we reviewed it as a single john but it gets Mm -hmm. stuck in my head and it just has been stuck in my head since the single first released it is catchy as hell and it's kind of the perfect dichotomy between porcupine tree because you get harridan and then you get of the new day and you're like okay well these are different than each other um rat's return kind of propels that the out the whole album forward I hope you listen to this song and the whole album in nice headphones as it I really do. does elevate the sonic landscape we get here. Um, Dignity is an eight minute and 22 second fucking masterpiece. Absolutely haunting. It's beautiful and masterly crafted prog rock. They really kind of straddle that metal rock sound like really well, man. Um this is where you really start to hear some of Stephen Wilson's solo stuff, which I've talked about a little bit on the podcast, but we've never reviewed any of it. I think if you went back and listened to Stephen Wilson's solo stuff and then came back to this song, you'd be like, oh, yep. Um, like hmm. like with the acoustic guitar and the song structure and the song structure that just like slowly builds. Um, those fucking synths, man. And are those strings towards like the middle? God, it just elevates this track into something spectacular. Spectacular. Uh, the way it breaks and it lets you sit for a minute uh, as Steven as Steven's vocals just kind of softly come back in, followed by some sultry guitar work. Jesus Christ, Chef's Kiss, man! This is just beautiful. The crescendo is the is at the end is like everything you would want in a Porcupine Tree song. Herd cut herd culling comes in at the back of Dignity with that fucking banger of a riff. The synths on the build up here are really cool. The progression of that main riff just getting heavier is so fucking cool i love this song it's heavy it's seven minutes long walk the plank is weird in the best way it's so weird it's slow but it's like still heavy they make this like odd electronic rock that steven leads kind of like really well and then we get to chimera's wreck if somebody asked me who Porcupine Tree was, this would be one of the songs songs I would show them along with Anesthesize. That slow build, the bass coming in along with the drums, the heavy tone, the heavy lyrical content. They all come together and by the five minute mark, my heart was fucking racing the first time I heard this one. They just, they grabbed my attention, but like, and my emotions. When, when that guitar break comes in and just brings it all together, it's fucking insane, dude. There is just, I, I was just blown away. The, the solo is just straight out of like the 80s. Uh, Steven really shows off his range too. The vocals are much more of an instrument on this song more than anything else and on any other song on the album, if you ask me. Uh, and, the, and then they start fucking with time signatures like eight minutes in. Mother of God, man. All right. Uh, the ending of this song reminds me of Opeth in a big way. Um, and then we kind of get like a break with Population 3, um, just like super instrumental, almost like continuing some sort of musical story. They don't give you too long, though, as the song breaks the fuck down in the last minute. Never Have is beautiful, but in my opinion, one of the weakest songs on the album. And that's saying something because it's still pretty good. 
and then of course they close with love in the past tense. And honestly, that is my only gripe with the album. Why you wouldn't close on Chimera's Wreck is just beyond me, man. <laughs> uh, it, it it should be the ending to the album because they just kind of like lead off at the end and like, yeah, okay, it makes me want to start the album over again, but it's it was the wrong choice. And that is the only reason why I gave this a nine instead of a 10. I loved this album. God damn, we got the full track by track <laughs> breakdown from you, Brandon. Well, I don't know what Logan and I are going to say about it because you said all of the words. But <laughs> Logan, Sorry, guys. what were your thoughts on this? Did you did you enjoy uh, this revisiting that, it since college? That opening to Harridan, I lost my shit. Uh, that <laughs> that baseline is just absolutely insane. And I, I think it's worth mentioning that this is the first time you've heard Harridan in the full context. Yeah, I, I never oh, listened to the singles. singles. Okay. No, I haven't listened to Porcupine Tree since Fear of a Blank Planet. Um, and then, so to throw this on, uh, the Harridan just kind of like knocked it out of the park right away. Uh, and I, I really like this album. I'd say the standouts for me are probably Rats Returning and uh, um, Chimera's Wreck. And instrumentally, this album is absolutely nuts. And I just, I couldn't sit still in my chair. I agree. I think we're all in agreement that Chimera's Wreck is one of the best songs of the year so far. That, that's yeah, just man. a fucking masterpiece, dude. And I, I agree with you, Brandon. It's like, it's not that the album is bad in any way after that, but there's something about it that makes you just like feel like that's the peak and you want to enjoy the ride back up to it. Uh, I've never considered myself a giant fan of this style of prog rock, but I feel like every year there's at least one release in the genre that gets my attention. And this is definitely that album for the year. I, I can't really listen to this from a critical perspective because it's a little too overwhelming to do that with an album like this in a week. And it's hard to do that with an album like this in general, honestly. Uh, they're, they're generally, or they're, they're just at the highest level of songwriting and musicianship you could possibly be at. You can't make a song like Chimera's Wreck without that being the case. Uh, this album did have a few surprises. Brandon, I, it's not that I didn't like Of The New Day. I just thought it was a little too indie for what I was looking for, I guess. Um, Walk The Plank, I don't know. That one was a little too weird for me as well. I think I didn't mind Never Have As Much As You. That's the one you said I think was a miss. Walk the Plank was the one, only one I skipped, but I thought instrumentally everything they're doing is amazing. This is just where some of these fell on my personal preference. Did this album make me love this style of prog rock any more than I already do? No. Does it sound too much like Tool to me like 90% of the time? Yes. But it didn't really take away from my ability to enjoy the album. I gave it an 8 out of 10. Chimera's Wreck was my easy standout. So Logan, I am sorry. This one? <laughs> I said oh, eight. Um, oh, sorry. I think yeah, I'd, I'd I'd probably agree around an eight. That's... Yeah. Did you buy this on vinyl already, Brandon? It's being delivered on Saturday. Yeah, I know. You got to build those scores, <laughs> man. I might have to run out and find a copy of this just so that I can every once in a while just throw that intro to Harrison on vinyl. <laughs> Don't give it the uh, sitting in the chair treatment. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, this is a great album, man. I'm sure it's going to be in our conversation for rock albums of the year. In fact, I know it will be. I'm glad it lived up to the hype because it was a hell of a long rollout. <laughs> yeah, man. All right. Let's cap this week off with this new release from Soccer Mommy called Sometimes Forever. 
I can't remember what singles we've covered about this, so I don't want to like go into anything that we've already talked about. I'll just be very brief and say, like much like the Givian album, this is pretty much exactly what I was expecting from her. And there's a few surprises on it, like the semi-industrial Holy Affliction and the mid-tempo grunge ballad, Darkness Forever. But for the most part, it's just high quality alternative indie pop rock. Everything she's released so far has been really good. This is no different. I gave it a seven out of 10. Feel It All The Time was my standout. We're, did you say this was gonna be your first new album of hers that you were listening to, Brandon? Yes. And how did it, how did you receive it? It's everything I wanted it to be. Um, Good. This is like, I got like from, uh, uh, what's it, what, what's it called? Dark, Dark and Moody, I think is the song name. Um, I got like major, like how to destroy angels vibes. You guys know that, know that band? It's called Darkness Forever. Yes. How to destroy angels. I've seen the name. I don't know their music though. Oh, it's Trent Reznor and his wife really. So you can imagine how like industrial and weird and gotcha. Gets. Um, this is, this is great, bro. I love all the guitar filters. It really adds to the atmosphere, the dark undertones of unholy affliction and the filters that kind of instrument, interchange between instruments at different parts is really fucking neat i also gave it a seven i think my favorite is going to be unholy affliction okay i had a feeling that was going to be your favorite given the way it sounded logan have you ever heard of soccer mommy before now i think i saw her perform on snl correct me if i'm wrong i might be confusing her with someone else i don't know if she, she ever did. might have with her last album there's there's big chunks of snl that i've missed but yeah I mean, if it sounded like this, I'd say you got a 75%. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, um, this, I enjoyed my time with it. Uh, it was pretty good. I, I don't really listen to this kind of music a lot, uh, but it, it was nice to have on while I was working, which is how I listened to it. It was it was, it it was like relaxing, and I enjoyed it. Um, I'd probably say my standout is "Don't Ask Me." Um, I liked that song, um, but I didn't listen to any singles. Never heard her before except for possibly having heard her in passing. Are you a but, Buffy the Vampire fan? Vampire Slayer? Um, yeah, I've watched a lot of it, but uh, I've never been one of those people. I have, I'm not one of the people who's watched it like every episode of every season, but I watched it while it was on TV. So I just kind of whatever episode was on that day, I watched and I know I've missed enough to not, <laughs> not really be able to recall like all the I, plots. I'm not bringing it up for any plot reason. Because every <laughs> time we listen to her or a, a, an artist like this, Brandon and I always say that this is the type of music that they would listen to at the club that they're always hanging out at. On oh, that show. oh, yeah. 100%. It's always this 90 alter, 90s alternative pop rock. It's, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> There's actually a playlist somebody has on Spotify called The Bronze, and they put like every song that sounds like this on there. It's pretty great. <laughs> All right. Anything you guys have to say before we do our what we're looking forward to next week? Yes, I would. I want to I want to let Logan plug uh, plug his band, actually. Logan, uh, you've probably heard me mention everybody else that's listening that Logan's a musician. Logan is the bassist in the band that we covered. Was it last week or the week before called Baptized in Sin? I think two weeks ago. Yeah. Logan, plug your band. What are you guys doing? Um, So we're actually I think our next show is next Thursday at uh, the Doll Hut in um anaheim and then i think after that in the end of july we're playing a, a house party in torrance um yeah awesome and and then we're actually going to be out in san bernardino at uh this biker bar called screaming sally's in august nice be sure to check those out 
is the house party a basement show or a backyard show? It's a backyard show. Okay, good. Much safer. Much safer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I don't really know what to expect with that one. They signed us up for it. I'm just like, okay, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun, man. How, oh, yeah, it's going to be a blast. House punk parties are probably going to be the are, are the best. Uh, both John and I really loved your EP, man. And uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm excited you're on this week. And anybody who's listening, please go back. And uh, if you're not going to listen to our podcast about that playlist, go back and listen to Baptized in Sin. Um, yeah, it, it, it was it was a good one, man. It Thanks. was. I really man. appreciate it. I really appreciate all the nice things you guys said. That was it was nice to hear. <laughs> of course, man. It's nice to get good music to review. <laughs> um, so next week, it looks like we're going to have a kind of a slow week because I think Fourth of July weekend is coming up. But we're going to be breaking some some new albums from Burna Boy, Municipal Waste, uh, and I have a few surprises to add to the playlist next week as well. But hey, it looks too. like we should have a pretty easy week. I'm looking forward to it. Please check out Baptized in Sin. Check out our website, brandonsface.com, where we have our cool release calendar. Check us out on Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that fun shit. Thanks for hanging out, guys. Peace. Peace.